Okay, I call this God's measuring stick. You know, this Bible study was birthed under pretty unusual circumstances because I was meditating about Jesus being our Jehovah Jireh and how he's our provider for everything. And I was thanking God that he provides our health, our healing, deliverance, and whatever it is that we're needing. And I was thinking about the fact that James 1.17 says every good and perfect gift comes down from above. And all of a sudden, when I was thinking about that, out in front of me, I saw this long measuring stick. And out on one end was a zero, and at the other end, it was a hundred. And I looked at that, and the Lord spoke to my spirit. And he, he said, I'm the Jehovah Jireh to all my children, but where they reach out and touch on this measuring stick is going to determine the extent of my provision in that particular area. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. He said, I am the Jehovah Jireh. But he said, where they reach out and touch on this measuring stick is going to determine now the extent of my provision in that particular area. And so I sat there. I remember I sat there and just thought about that for a good while. Now, it was not anything he actually spoke out loud. He was just revealing all of this to my spirit and showing me my different expectations in these different areas. Now, there's no telling how long I sat there in amazement because God was showing me different areas, and he was revealing to me where I was in the faith. And he was revealing where I was touching that measuring stick. I kept seeing that measuring stick and realized I was touching it in different places. Now, when I received this, I thought it was just for me. I never thought about the fact that I was going to make a Bible study out of it. But all of a sudden, the Lord showed me that he wanted me to share it that it was something that others needed to hear. So I'm going to use myself as an example first because that's exactly how I got it. As I sat there, different areas of my life now, they began just running through my mind. And he would say, where did you reach up and touch the measuring stick in faith in this particular area? And he'd give me different areas. Well, the first area that he showed me, of course, was the healing. And I thought, you know, I'm bound to have touched way up 90% or 100, you know. But then without hearing a word, truth began just kind of emerging up out of my spirit. And God revealed to me a lot of things about my faith. He showed me that the things that I dreaded, like cancer or maybe some dread disease, that I had reached and touched that measuring stick right at the top. But I did that because it was a priority. I didn't want to be burdened down with some dreaded disease. Now, don't mishear me. Where you touch this measuring stick doesn't necessarily mean that you're there in your faith. It just means it shows you how important it is to you. If, you. if you touch really high on the measuring stick, that means this is important to you. But if it is a priority and I touch high, then that means that I'm going to desire it. I'm going to mean it when I say it, you know, and I'm not going to give up. And God showed me then with that, he was going to get me to that place in my faith. Now, whatever place on the scale we pick, you know, he, he's going to begin getting us there. He's going to start working with us, showing us things to do. And he showed me that I'd made it a priority to have a strong faith in the area of dreaded diseases, in the area of maybe destruction, having something bad happen, because I saw those promises very, very important. But he showed me that little things like maybe aches and pains, you know, I'd touched way down low because I thought, oh, well, I can handle that. And uh, I'm not going to worry about those things. Now, even though I came home from the Philippines years before, I had turned yellow with dengue fever. And I remember thinking, this is not going to kill me. This will pass. And so I had grabbed that measuring stick really low. But the Lord showed me that because I was complacent, it had opened the door now to a lot more serious problems. And I'd not thought about that before. 
but I had gotten really sick after that. So God was wanting me to look to him and look to his word for all the little things as well as the big. He said, don't just concentrate on the big. I want you to concentrate on every little thing because he said, I've made provision for everything. And I remember something that I heard someone say. They said, you know, I was putting up with some minor problems in my body and I didn't get around to praying about it in faith until it got bad. But she said, then as it got worse, she said, I began complaining to God. And I said, Lord, how long am I going to have to put up with this? She said, the Lord spoke to her and said, I'll put up with it as long as you do. And I thought about that and I thought, you know what? God does. He puts up with our problems as long as we're willing to put up with them. So he said, I'll meet you wherever you decide to reach out and touch this measuring stick. But he said, the choice is going to be yours. He said, every time it's going to be up to you, you'll be the one making the choice. And then the Lord brought up the area and he asked me, where are you concerning your eyes? Now, I realized that the thought of an eye disease, you know, I was very big priority to me. And I knew that I touched that measuring stick really high in that area because several years ago I had gotten a, a bad report when I went to the eye doctor. And I was supposed to have gone back the next day. The doctor told me, come back, we're going to look at it again tomorrow. And I started home and I realized I don't have my faith built up in this area. So I didn't go back the next day. And I started getting all my scriptures out. And I started quoting my scriptures and I got very serious and began to work on my faith. And I actually stood for several months before I went back. But it was worth it because when I went back, I got a good report. It was important for me to build faith in that area. And yet, just the correction of my eyesight, you know, with my glasses, I had touched really low because with my glasses, I had 20-20 vision, you know. I had worn glasses since I was in grade school, and so I thought, you know, this is not really a big deal. Well, we tend to do that with chronic diseases and chronic problems. And the Lord began to show me he wanted me to get serious and appropriate his word whether it's something big or whether it's just something uh, small. He said, nothing uh, is too small. He said, I want to be your Jehovah Jireh, your provider in every area. And uh, uh, we get to thinking, you know, oh, I can handle that. But God wants us to not settle for anything less than his best. Because he said, I've provided this for you. He said, why leave it alone? Why walk away from it? Take what I've provided. So he wants us to touch at the top of the scale in every area of our life. Of course, it has to be genuine. And God knows when it's genuine and he knows when it's not genuine. You know, sometimes we kind of fool ourselves and we think we're being really serious about things. And so the Lord began dealing with me about that. Well, I read about the life of John G. Lake. He was a minister back in the 1900s. And a plague had come, and the people were dying all over the village. They would throw up this bloody substance and then instantly die. Well, a team of doctors finally came to help. And one of the first things they wanted to know, they wanted to know why it was that John G. Lake had not contacted this disease. Because he was working with people constantly, and it was very contagious. And um, Mr. Lake explained that God was living on the inside of him, and he explained that he had Romans chapter 8, and it had quickened his mortal body. And he said he had the life of God literally flowing through him. And so he scooped up some of this throw-up uh, stuff, and he placed it under the microscope where these doctors had been working. And while they were watching through the microscope, they saw these germs dying on contact with his hand. And they said, what's different with you? And he said, I know who I am in Christ. 
Now, he didn't get to that place overnight. And he explained that uh, he had to put the word to work. He said, if a person is excited enough about God's word to put it to work, he said, it'll work for them. Now, it's possible for us to be touching the scale way out here at 100 in certain areas, determining in our heart, that's where we want our faith to be. And we may still have other symptoms in our body. And the Lord began to show me that he wanted me to look at this scale and register high at, on everything that came along. And if we're reaching high on the scale and we mean it, and we're determined to believe God's word, God says, I'll get you there. He said, you may not be there yet, but he said, if you want it, I'll get you there. And God will get us to any place on that measuring stick that we decide to reach out and touch in faith and hang in there, you know, and just determine, Lord, I'm not moving from this. He said, I'll get you there. And that's why we need to ask, what kind of priority do I place in these different areas? Mm -hmm. uh, and I had to look at it. We were talking about healing. I thought, what kind of priority do I leave in the area of healing. And I realized that some people don't even believe in divine healing. So they're measuring down there at zero on the measuring stick because they don't think that healing's for today. And it's surprising how many people don't believe that healing's for today. And that's what they're going to receive because God moves us to the place that we determine to be. He doesn't determine that for us but he'll move us wherever we determine to be. But whatever number we choose less than 100, the Lord began to show me that we have just given Satan that much permission. Well, that got my attention to realize that when I, whatever amount that I choose less than 100, I've just said, okay, Satan, I give you this percentage. And, and that was frightening to me. So I made a decision that day, and I said, Lord, I want to raise my faith, and I want to believe you 100% in every area, you know. Now, any one of us can say, I choose 100, but it's not what we say. It's what we are determined in our heart that we're not going to turn loose of. It takes determination. And the Lord kept telling me, I don't do it for you. You have to make that choice. And so he began to show me the same thing in the area of financial blessing. And I looked at it, and I, I was sitting there, and I thought, well, Lord, I do believe in financial blessing. I do. Uh, I believe that you're the one provides. But the Lord began to break it down for me in my thinking. And it helped me to realize that there were a lot of areas where I was touching really low on the scale without even realizing it. And I was quite sure I wasn't going to starve to death. You know, I, I was quite sure about that. I, I really felt like my basic needs were going to be met. But there were some other areas now where I had settled down at the very bottom of the scale. And, you know, it's a shock when we see that about ourselves. You know, when we think, boy, I've just been doing so well, you know. But so often we don't understand the God kind of provision. And God wants his people to be financially blessed so that they're going to change the financial atmosphere of people around them and so that they can do work in the kingdom. And that's what it's all about. God wants us to tithe. He wants us to give offerings because he wants us to understand the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. Because God wants to bless us a much, much more than we want to receive his blessing. And that was a shock to me that day when the Lord said, I want to bless you more than you want it. And so we can always be ready to learn more. And I sat there that day and I thought, God, I thought I was really believing you in these different areas. 
But Lord, I'm ready. Now start working with me. Start showing me in these different areas. And I remember once early on when my husband, Jack, he had said, I want us to get into agreement that we're going to have an X number of dollars left each month so we can give and help other people. And we weren't in very good financial shape right at the time. And I realized how low I had reached out and touched that measuring stick because his statement sounded like an impossibility to me at the time. I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, here he's believing for more and I'm believing just to make it by. But we have to truly desire it, and we have to reach on that scale and claim it. And once we do, God then will start working on us to get us there. Don't expect God to move you one inch past where you decide that you're going to reach out and touch the scale. You know, uh, he's not, you know, I, I think he would love to bless every one of us and pick us up and say, oh, no, I'm going to bless you this much. But he waits for us to make that decision. The choice is ours in every single area. And God kept speaking that to me that day when he showed me the measuring stick. He said, the choice is yours in every area. Now, God is going to try to reveal truth to us and prove to us where we are in our faith. But he's doing that in an attempt to encourage us. Because he, he knows he's not going to force us one inch past where we choose to be and where we're satisfied to be. And the world's economy has absolutely nothing to do with it. Now, this would be the scariest time in the world financially. When you look at what's going on in the world, it could be very frightening. But that's not what moves God, whether the finances are going well in the world or not. Even the experts can't make any good predictions now. So it has nothing to do with what's going on in the world. God says, my blessings can come across no matter what's going on. If you'll remember during extreme famine, Isaac sowed in the land, and it says he reaped a hundredfold. And they were in a horrible famine during that time. But he was believing God. God can take care of his children financially, no matter what the conditions are, if that person will just grab hold of that measuring stick and say, Lord, I'm going clear to the top. I'm going to believe you, Father. I'm going to believe you. Now, years and years ago, when Jack was between jobs, he had put his application in practically everywhere in Brownwood, and he found nothing. And uh, he was without a job for almost a year. But boy, he, he was one that he'd grab hold of that measuring stick right at the top. And I could have written a book on the, the miracles that God brought that year. It, was, it really was exciting. And uh, one example, we needed some groceries. Uh, we had a big electric bill that, that was due. And a guy knocked on the door, and he wanted uh, to know if he could buy this old TV antenna that we owned. And I said, we don't own a TV antenna. But come to find out, he had found it in the tall grass down at the Pepsi plant where Jack had built it when he was a teenager. And uh, how he found that antenna, I'll never know because the grass was completely over it. But this, the new owners of the building, when he took it in, they said, well, that belongs to Jack, you know, and they gave our address. And what he paid us for that antenna, bought a huge bill of groceries, it paid this electric bill, and we had a, gr a good bit of cash left over. And I thought, God, you're, you're awesome. I, that's all I could do is just stand there and say, God, you're just awesome. And he did miracle after miracle that year. I, I kept a diary because it, it just was God bringing in miracles with everything we needed. God's prosperity is going to take care of our needs if we're obedient, yeah. if, we'll, if we'll do what he tells us to do, and if we'll be determined that we're going to believe for his provision. 
no matter what the economy's doing. You can't go by the economy. That, it doesn't work that way. But we have to grab hold of that measuring stick at the top and say, God, I'm, I'm believing you. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. You know, years ago, I had studied about the protection that we have over our family from believing Jesus. And I had just found the type and shadow of that in the book of Exodus, where when they put the blood on the doorposts, then the destroyer couldn't come in. And we're talking years ago, and I just learned that, and I was so excited. Well, something clicked in my spirit, and I touched the scale that day way up high for the protection of my family and our property. And I started saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to grab high on this. And I, it really stuck because we try never to leave our property without saying out loud, Lord, we thank you that where the blood is, the destroyer cannot come in. And that's just become a household phrase. And uh, that's so true, but we've got to believe it, we've got to confess it, and we've got to put it to work. Several years ago, the enemy intended to burn our house down, even though we were standing firm on our, our promise of protection. That was one thing, you know, Jack, every morning, he would pray a blood-covering protection over everything. Well, a fire had been burning inside the wall up close to the attic, and suddenly he had just left for work, and the house was all of a sudden full of smoke. Well, I texted him, and I said, Jack, come back. Something's, something bad is wrong. Well, he came in and he said, oh, my goodness, something is definitely on fire. Well, we actually had it out before the firemen came, but the firemen did tell us when they saw the damage, they said, you know, the damage, it was inside the wall. But they said at the rate that it was burning inside the wall, they said, you know what, we don't know that you could have saved the house in another five minutes. And I thought of all the miracles that God did that day. We had been gone for days because during the holidays, we were going different places. And so we'd been gone for days at different times, but we happened to be home that particular day. We had just recently replaced this long garden hose. When we first moved in the house, Jack hooked a long garden hose inside our hot water heater closet, and he ran it under the house out to the water outside. And he said that way, if we ever needed water in the house, you know, we'd have a good full blast of water. And he had just replaced that hose because he had noticed that it was a little bit stiff and he thought maybe it was probably ready to break. It had been about 20 years ago that he put it in. And so he had just replaced the hose. We had this brand new hose that we pulled out. We were able to stick it in into the wall. And the fire was contained in an area about the size of a closet and not one thing of value uh, was in that space. So nothing of value was harmed. Now, all of my boxes of Psalm 91 books were stored in the room. Back then, we could store them all in one place, and we had them in the room right above where we were running the water into the attic. And, of course, it was running straight down to the room below. Jack just kept pumping the water in. He wanted to be sure that it, the fire was out. And miraculously, there was no water damage in our books, and there was no fire damage. And we just, we said, God, this is miraculous. And Jack kept looking for the water. He said, where did that water go, you know? And so the insurance company, they were so happy that they didn't have to pay for building a new house that they were really happy. And they said, well, we'll paint the walls and we'll paint the, uh, the ceiling. It's not that it really needed it. It was all kind of inside that it had messed up. And, but it hadn't been painted in 25 years, and so this new paint job was just an added blessing. What happened that day was nothing short of an absolute miracle. And I truly believe it was because we had really grabbed high on that measuring stick, and we were believing for the protection of our property.
The blood protection of Jesus works, but it's not automatic. You know, we have to believe for it and we start have to start appropriating the promises. Now, there's testimonies everywhere of God's protection because of the blood. You know, you can read these everywhere and it's wonderful. But Angela had a friend at school and she was living in an apartment off campus. And early one morning, someone knocked on the door. It was She was getting ready to go to church. So she just thought it was a friend. And she opened the door and a guy pushed his way in and attacked her. Well, for 45 minutes, she just kept quoting the word, just kept, uh, and he would come at her, and then all of a sudden, he'd kind of lose his focus, and he'd step back, and she just kept saying, I'm covered by the blood. You can't touch me, and he came at her time after time after time, and finally, she had worked her way around, and she was close to the door, and she was able to get out the door without his harming her in any way. Well, she went to the trial. She had to go to the trial. And she was the only one. He had molested many girls. She was the only one who was not harmed. And it was because of the word. You know, she knew that. There was a girl in our church several years ago. She had a guy uh, pull her off the road. She was on a country road. And he already had her out of the car and thrown on the ground. When she remembered, she said, I'd completely, she said, I was screaming until then. And then she said, I finally remembered to start pleading the blood. Mm-hmm. And she said, when he kept, she kept pleading the blood, he finally jumped up and left. And he hollered back at her as he was leaving. And he said, I would get a hold of a religious freak. <laughs> and he took off. Our blood protection covenant, it works, but we have to work it. We have to grab hold of that measure and stick way out there and say, God, this is your word. And I'm not going to grab it down here on the low numbers. I'm grabbing it. I'm trusting you way up high. Now, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, you have what you confess with your mouth and what you believe in your heart. Now, the story of Rahab in Joshua 2, 12 and 13 and verse 18, it also reminds us that because of the blood, we have the right to even cover our extended family. Now, we knew to cover our immediate family. We were doing that. But all of a sudden, I realized, no, Rahab brought in her father, her mother, her brothers, her sisters, and all of her little nieces and nephews. She brought the whole family. And too often what we're doing, we're falling short and we're not standing on the word for the protection of everything that comes under that blood covering. We need to realize God has given us such protection and then we fall short. It's not God falling short. We're the ones falling short. And he wants us to come to a place where we realize he's made provision for every need we have. But where we grab hold on that measuring stick is going to determine how much we get. So take all these scriptures and allow them to cause you to reach right at the top of the measuring stick and do it in faith and do it for more than just your immediate family. You know, I was doing well for my immediate family, but all of a sudden God was saying, hey, reach out, reach out to your friends. Now, these scriptures showed me how guilty I was at touching the measuring stick way down low. And God's not going to do any more for us than what we believe and what we stand for. Now, some people ask, well, how exactly are we supposed to do this? Well, just begin to pray. Lord, I thank you that not only do I cover my immediately family with the blood, but Lord, I thank you that I'm also going to spiritually take under authority now my friends, my extended family, and name them one by one. Make a list, name them. We need to spread that blood covering in faith and make it a priority. And because how much of a priority we make it determines how high we're reaching on that measuring stick. And wherever we are, we need to reach just a little bit higher, you know.
Then when you see the enemy coming to harass one of them, just rise up and say, no, devil, I have them under a blood covering. You can't touch them. Mm -hmm. I'm covering them by the blood. God gives me that privilege. Reach high and touch that scale at the top and then believe in faith that God's going to do exactly what he promises that he'll do. Because they may not be believing for themselves. Your family may not be believing. They may be, you may be the only one standing in the gap for them. Now, if you're married, where are you touching that scale in the area of your marriage? How much of a priority is it for you to say, Lord, I have the best marriage in the world and I'm going to do whatever it takes. How determined are you to make your mate the happiest person who ever walked the face of this earth? It's really easy for us to believe for our mate to make us the happiest person on earth, you know. But we need to ask ourselves, you know, am I believing God to help me to do the same for them? Because how we answer these questions, if we're truthful, is going to give us a real clue now where we've placed our finger on that measuring stick. It's amazing now how many times when the Lord will be reminding me that I'm not believing quite like I should, and I'll instantly see that measuring stick. And I'll think, oh, you know, oh, Lord, I'm way down the the scale. So it's been a wonderful visual picture for me. And it'll tell you if you're believing God for maybe a 50-50 marriage or if you're just barely hanging in there. Or if you grab that measuring stick at the top and you're dogmatically saying, Lord, I'm not going to settle for anything less but the best marriage possible. Because if you've grabbed that measuring stick at the top and you're determined now that yours is going to be the best marriage in the world, that you're going to do whatever God leads you to do to make it what it needs to be, then it's amazing what God will start doing. He usually never works on the partner. He begins to work on us. If we're the ones standing, he's usually going to work on us. He'll begin to move us, though, in that direction because we can't make it happen. We grab hold of the measuring stick, but we're not the one making it happen. We simply make the choice, and we make that choice by grabbing hold of that measuring stick at at some point you know, and determine that we're going to allow God to get us there. And we need to do that with all of our relationships. Now, some people have stretched way up the scale when they begin this endeavor. And maybe when they first get married, or they'll say, well, boy, this is going to be the best marriage in the world. Or they'll say, you know, I'm never going to let the romance go out of this marriage. Or maybe they have a new baby, and they'll say, I'm going to be the best parent in the world. But there are things that come along in life. And it can cause us, without even realizing it, to start moving our hand back down the scale. So we need to constantly remind ourselves that we don't get sidetracked with the things in this world. And God gave us a list, and I thought this was so precious. In Matthew 13, 19 through 22, he gave us a list. And uh, these, I think, are some of the main things that we just need to watch for. Uh, Because these are things that will cause us to pull back down the scale. And if we know what they are, then we have more of a tendency to say, okay, I'm not going there. I'm going to trust you, Lord. Verse 19 says, anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in the heart. So the first key is when someone hears the word of the kingdom, but they, they don't do what needs to be done to understand what the word's telling them to do. And some people say, well, I just really don't understand that. But when God is telling us something we need to do, we better say, okay, Lord, you showed me. Help me to understand. And so number one in verse 19 is not understanding the word well enough to to do it. And too often these people are thinking, well, 
Why hasn't something happened yet? You know, I've been standing for two whole weeks. Why hadn't it happened? So not understanding what God's wanting us to do or our thinking, you know, I can't see a way in the world that God can fix this particular problem or where we get into our reasoning and we're not trusting in the all-powerful God. And anytime we let that just sit there, we're slipping back down that measuring stick. Okay, so that's the first one, verse 21a, who has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. So this number two is when someone doesn't work to develop a firm root in himself and where the word is not really their final authority. We need to ask ourselves because that'll bring us back down that measuring stick in a hurry. And it's easy to get sidetracked with the worries and cares of the world. It's really easy uh, to come to a place where we don't have that firm root. Then the number three thing that God points out here in verse 21b, it says when afflictions and persecutions arise because of the word, immediately we start falling away. We start coming back down that measuring stick. Now, often when afflictions and persecutions come, it's really easy to get weary and get discouraged. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, we just think, oh, no, what else, you know? And if we don't hang on to the word during that time, we're going to let our faith slip down that scale without even realizing we're doing it. And then verse 22, the next one, the one on whom seed has sown among the thorns. This is the man who hears the word and the worries and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So number four, the worries and cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. So, I mean, God's given us a good list for us to watch for here. So worries and fears will pull us down if we don't continually run to the word in faith and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to remember. Uh, and the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, a lot of times we think, oh, you know, that's not going to bother me. But it's surprising. The, the things in the world are very attractive. And if we're not careful, you know, it can pull us down. Okay, now with these four things in mind, we need to ask ourselves, where on the scale am I touching and refusing to move on in, in my walk with God? Because wherever I decide to touch on that measuring stick, that shows me how much priority I've put on the Word of God. And so often I would go back over this list and I think, ooh, I have slipped down in this area. It's easy to slip down when we don't even realize it. Where we dogmatically touch on the measuring stick is exactly the place where God will eventually get us. If we grab hold of it and we hang in there, he'll eventually get us there. Matthew 20, 30 and 31 is a wonderful story that God showed me out of the word that gives us a lot of things to think on. Two blind men were sitting by the uh, road and they were hearing that Jesus was passing by. And so they started crying out saying, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the multitude sternly told them to be quiet. Everybody, be quiet, you know, you're, you're making a fool of yourself. But they cried out all the more, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Well, Jesus stopped and he asked what they wanted. You know, he heard them and he asked. We want our eyesight. And moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their eyesight, and they began following him. Okay, they could have pulled their hand back down the scale out of embarrassment, have you ever done something and everybody said, be quiet, you're making a fool of yourself, you know, and all of a sudden you get quiet because you don't want to make a fool of yourself. But they didn't do that when they were rebuked. But the Bible says they cried out even more. They were not about to allow themselves now to be intimidated or inhibited 
and lose out on their blessing. And so they touched that scale way up high. They said, you know, they may be telling us to be quiet, but we're going to be louder than ever, you know. And so they were not about to listen to the opinion of everybody else. They were not about to let that distract them. Okay, let's apply this example. How many times have we quoted Psalm 91 and we've said, Lord, I'm not going to be afraid of the things that are happening in this world. Bad things are happening in every direction, but Lord, I'm not going to be afraid. No evil is going to befall me, nor will any plague or calamity even come near my household. And Lord, I thank you that I have authority over the enemy, and I'm going to take that authority every day, and I'm going to put the enemy under my feet. I'm not going to fear the terror uh, of what another person can do to harm me, you know. I'm not going to be afraid of the arrows of the evil ones, all these uh, things that the enemy's shooting in my direction. I'm not going to be afraid of sickness and I'm not going to be afraid of the dreaded uh, destruction, the natural disasters. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it, it's not going to approach me. And we're saying that and we're excited and maybe we hear a, a Bible study on it. We get real excited and all of a sudden the multitude begins to scream, don't be so foolish. That's too good to be true. You know, that's just too good to be true. You can't believe that. Who do you think you are anyway? And even if it's not somebody saying it to us, sometimes we think that inside of ourselves. We think, who am I to think I can believe this? This is off the scale, you know, and suddenly we begin to feel intimidated and we think, oh, that's true. You know, who am I that I could think that I could receive all of these blessings, you know, and golly, all of a sudden our hands start slipping down that scale and we begin to see a thousand falling. We begin to see 10,000. We hear about, we listen to the news and 10,000 just fail and we become fearful and we become intimidated. And suddenly, without our even realizing it, our hand begins to slide down that uh, measuring stick and we start doubting our covenant. The minute that happens, I mean, we need to jump straight up and say, yes. God, forgive yes. me. And we need to start quoting it and saying, God, I'm not turning loose of this. When I saw those flames blazing in our house, I had a multitude of enemy thoughts that were coming, you know, and they were all saying, you just thought Psalm 91 worked. You've been confessing Psalm 91 and nothing bad's happened, but you, weren't, you haven't been confessing it when the bad is right in your face. Your house and everything you own is going to turn to ashes right before your very eyes. And those voices are loud, you know. But it's exactly as God was saying here, uh, to, to these blind men. He said, cry out even more. Just cry out even more. And that's what God told us. He said, cry out your confessions of faith even more. And he said, especially when it looks impossible. The more impossible it looks, the louder you need to get. Now, Jesus was telling Jairus the same thing when they came with the news that his little girl was dead. You know, can't you imagine? He had come to Jesus thinking, oh, I've heard he's done wonderful miracles. If he'll just come, he can save my daughter. And they're telling him, she's dead. Don't bother the master anymore. And I can almost picture him and what he's thinking. And he's, oh, golly, I, I didn't get here quite in time. But what did Jesus say? The little girl's dead. But Jesus is looking at him and saying, don't quit believing. She's dead. What do you mean, don't quit believing, you know? But which voice are we going to listen to when the bottom falls out? The child was dead, and Jesus was saying, don't quit believing. Oh, that sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. But how many times have we had things buried because we quit believing when it sounded like it was too late? 
And I thought, how many times I've given up on things because it sounded like it was, it's over. Well, I just didn't get to it in time. I love this story. It's a miraculous story, but Crystal Phillips was a good friend of mine, and she got a letter saying that her son had been killed. He was overseas in battle. There was no way to grab hold of that measuring stick. It was too late. He's dead. But she did grab that measuring stick, and she grabbed it at the top. She had wadded up the ladder, thrown it on the floor, and for two hours she walked the floor, and she was confessing her covenant to God. God, I don't care what they're saying. My son is going to live because I have a covenant. And she said she knew not to call anybody because she knew they would, you know, harm her faith. But she thought, well, I'll call my husband. And God said, no, (laughs) don't call anybody. You stand on your covenant. And finally, after two hours, she said she felt like she was supposed to call. And she told the war department, you know, that she was sorry, but they had made a mistake that her son was alive. Well, they thought she had talked to him, you know. And so they said, okay, uh, we'll get back with you. We don't know what's happened. Two hours later, she said that next two hours, she was walking the floor and screaming her covenant out to God. Two hours later, they called back. He was indeed alive. He's still alive today. And, uh, you know, you wonder, did her, you know, did they really make a mistake or did God switch it because she grabbed hold of her mesh and stick at the top? Uh, she didn't throw that mesh and stick away. She grabbed it at the top and she refused to turn it loose. We must keep our measuring stick right in front of us at every turn. Wherever we're grabbing it, we need to push ourselves a little higher. The end of that story was really kind of special. Uh, she and her husband, she did tell her husband, but they didn't tell anybody else, and they waited until he came home. And when he came home, she had him and his wife and the other brother and his wife over for dinner. And she had a big welcome home dinner. And when it was over with, then uh, they were all sitting around the table, and she brought the letter in, and she laid it in the center of the table. And uh, she said, I want to tell y'all what God did. And so uh, he read the letter, And she said they sat there and no one said a word. They couldn't speak. (laughs) They were just awestruck. So anyway, I'm sure that young man many times has thought about the fact that he's alive today because of his mother believing God. But we've got to come to a place where we believe God's word no matter what it looks like in the natural. One choice is going to take us up the measuring stick And another single thought will take us right down it. We have to make up our mind. What are we going to believe? Are we going up the measuring stick or down? So we need to, when this happens, we need to grab that measuring stick even higher. We need to let the scripture in Matthew be a reminder. I like to reread those scriptures in Matthew to remind myself of the things that pull me down the scale. Now, how that blind man handled opposition is our answer. The Bible simply says he cried out even more. You know, that's our answer. Grab that measuring stick at the top and say, Lord, this is your word, and I'm not going to settle for anything less. We've got to do that. And it's the God of the universe that gave us these, these answers. So why should we doubt them if the God of the universe said it? But for some reason, things in the world sometimes have a bigger influence on us than the God of the universe. And it doesn't matter if there's not another person in the world who believes it. We have to come to a place where we say, Lord, I'm believing it simply because your word says it. Lord, you said in Romans 3, verse 3, if some do not believe, will their unbelief nullify your faithfulness? And God himself said, may it never be, you know. 
He said, but the ones who believe my word, the ones who believe my word, they're going to find out that my word is true. Now, some of you may have people that you don't necessarily like. And I felt like this was an important one that God wanted me to put in. Uh, and the Lord said, a lot of people have ought in their heart against a certain person and everything they do irritates them. Sometimes it's a relative and sometimes it's just somebody they know. Uh, and sometimes they think, well, I just can't see anything good in them. But I'm going to tell you what. When God is working on us and telling us, we're, we're going to have to go past our feelings. Did you know that we're going to be judged by the oughts that we have in our heart? God says we're going to be judged by that. So we need to take that measuring stick and we need to reach really high and determine that God is going to fill our heart with love and tolerance, even for people we don't like. Now, this one is the hardest for some people, you know. But God's not going to make us grab that measuring stick any higher than we decide. But that won't keep us now from being judged for where we decide to settle on that scale. And I felt like the Lord showed me this measuring stick, you can measure anything. You know, uh, where you grab hold, that's where you're going to be unless you push yourself and decide you're going to grab a little higher. But God said, I want you to grab hold at 100% of that measuring stick. Don't settle for something less. Abraham was interceding for Sodom, and he said, Lord, if, if there are just 50 righteous in the city, will you save the city? And God said, yes. And he said, okay, Lord, if, if there's, maybe there won't be 50, but if there's 40. God said, yeah, I'll do it for 40. And then he said 30. Then he said 20, and he finally got down to 10. And Abraham kept bargaining for more and more, but finally he stopped, and, and he didn't reach any higher, didn't go up that measuring stick any higher. And when Abraham stopped, I thought it was interesting that God stopped. I felt like the Lord showed me that story, and he said, I stop wherever you stop, but I won't stop until you stop. And I thought, we stop all the time. We stop short. And, and God's saying, go as high as you want to go. I'll go with you. You know, it's amazing. It's kind of like God is standing there, and he's holding up his word. It's packed full of promises and requirements. And he's saying, here's my wisdom, you know. And you're going to need it for living in this life. And too often what we're saying, Lord, I think I can figure it out on myself. You know, you know, I'm busy. I think I can figure it out. And God's calling us to move our sight up the scale. But sadly, sometimes too often we grab that measuring stick way down and we settle for way too little when God is offering so much more. And I felt like the Lord told me on everything, you can grab the measuring stick at the top if you want to. You can go 100% if you want to. And I thought, I don't know whether I'm grabbing it 100% on anything. But I keep that picture in front of me to remind myself what's possible. There's a story told in a small Midwestern town. Uh, there was this young college student, and he was standing. Now, this is a true story. He was standing on the street corner. He had a basketball, he had a baseball, and he had a catcher's mitt. And he was trying to give them away. And he would holler at the people that were coming by and they'd say, he said, I have a gift for you if you want it, you know. And he would hold them up and say, you know, you can have one of these if you'd like. The people that were going by, they just looked at him kind of crazy, like, what are you doing, you know. And no one knew for sure. It might have been a fraternity experiment. Or maybe it was just his curiosity, you know. Uh, but he did that for a long time. And he couldn't get anybody to even look in his direction. And he was shocked. He said a few would glance at him, they'd give him kind of a strange look, but they just kept going. But finally, there was a little boy with his dad that came by, and the college student asked the boy, would you like one of these items? 
Well, the little boy's eyes just lit up, and he said, Dad, could I? And Dad said, yeah, go pick one. So the little boy picked one of the gifts and went happily on his way. And all of a sudden, I thought, yeah, God says you have to come as a little child. That's right. On everything, we have to receive these promises as a little child. Yes. Because if we don't, we're going to be just like these kids. They say, well, he's crazy, you know. Why would he be giving away those nice gifts, you know? Now, the other group is so typical of how we do God. We say there has to be a catch to it. There just has to be. It's too good to be true. And we do that to God when he's offering us unbelievable. He's not going to go any higher than what we choose. But he's offering whatever it is that we want to choose. And, and we're just kind of looking at God like, you know, I don't know about this. So no wonder God said that we have to come as a little child or would never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Because in the natural, it's just too good to be true. And that's true. It is too good to be true. But with God, it works. What God offers, it does sound to be too good to be true. But God's that kind of God. So we need to think in terms of intercession. So often we're asked to pray for someone, and maybe we mouth the appropriate prayer, but never expect anything to happen. We think about it, and we grab that measuring stick. We think we've grabbed it at the top because we've mouthed some words, you know. But the next time that we intercede for someone, or we intercede for a, for a situation, we need to expect something to come out of it. We need to expect that. Uh, and we need to see that measuring stick and say, I'm not just going to pray a prayer. I'm going to grab that measuring stick at the top. If I pray it, Lord, I'm going to believe you to do it. Now, a lot of people are, are touching the measuring stick, but they're, they're touching it down at zero. Now, the extent of our expectation for a lot of people is just the obedience to mouth it. And they think, well, I've done it. You know, I prayed the prayer. I prayed that prayer. Then some people will grab it halfway up and they hope that their prayer is going to maybe make some little degree of change. But we need to start saying the word is so good. It has to be true. It's coming from the God of the universe. That's, ex that's something exactly like my father would want to do. And when we realize how much God loves us, you know, it's not going to be hard to believe him enough to grab a hold of that measuring stick way at the top. Okay, we're going to stop here for this week. Next week, we're going to apply everything that we've said so far. We're going to apply it to our walk with God, you know. And that's exactly where God took me next. After we went through different things, he'd show me finances. He showed me uh, uh, healing. And, and then he said, okay, what about your walk with me? So next week can completely revolutionize now our love walk. So I want you to be thinking this week, where on the measuring stick you want your love walk to be with God? Where do you want to be? How much? Because this could change our entire life. We change our love walk with God, our, our, our believing God. There's no telling where that could take us. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for just showing me that measuring stick that day. It was such a simple little mind vision that you gave me. But, Lord, it has made so much difference. And it'll make even more difference the more I put it to work, the more I use it. So, Father, I thank you that you're the God of the universe. And you've offered it. And you will do for us to whatever degree we touch on the scale. You're not going to go higher than that. You're, you're going to do what, what we believe you for. But, Father, help us to start believing for more. Help us to start reaching high on that measuring stick. 
In Jesus' name, amen.